0: My name is Bree Castellini. I used to be a spy.
1: My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a beekeeper. I used to keep bees.
0: And this is Burn Notice. The first episode, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy recently disavowed by the U.S. government who uses his special ops training to help others in trouble, according to IMDb.
1: Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television... B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice.
0: B and C aren't mutually exclusive, but they are unique in how to measure them. A great episode of television has good writing and storytelling, but a great episode of Burn Notice, according to us, Bri and Chris, resident experts, have at least three of the following criterion. Number one, Michael Weston solves the weekly problem with spycraft rather than straight up violence. Number two, Michael Weston's spy advice voiceover involves practical spy advice rather than passive spy observations. Number three, Michael Weston debuts or revisits a distinct alias. And number four, the show's sidekicks, Sam and Fiona, are used well, meaning that A, Fiona gets to blow something up or use her explosives expertise, and or B, Sam gets to be peak Bruce Campbell.
1: Remember, spoilers are coming up, so either watch the episodes along with us or shut up. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcasts at gmail.com or to our Twitter, burnnoticedpod.
0: Okay, so we're talking about the pilot today. Obviously, uh, it is just called Pilot. Boring. Mm -hmm. It aired...
1: Like like a lot of the things about the episode.
0: (laughs) I don't think it was boring. I just think... It was a lot, but we'll get into it. Uh, So this pilot, uh, called Pilot, aired June 28th, 2007, which is actually very close to when we were recording this podcast, so that's exciting.
1: Yeah, this show is now almost exactly 12 years old.
0: We're stepping in the... Footsteps of greatness, Chris. We
1: really truly are.
0: Uh, this episode was written by series creator Matt Nix and directed by Jace Alexander, who, uh, and this will come as no surprise as we discuss this episode, does not direct another episode of Burn Noticed. And uh, I checked his IMDb, I looked him up. He, yeah. epi- he directs like one episode of like every TV show. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> he's really good at the interview. And then they see an episode that he's done and it's like, oh.
1: Question. He is definitely a distinct person from Jason Alexander, right?
0: I mean, who can say? This man is very. I mean, I like to imagine him as just like a bad alias of Jason Alexander who just sucks at directing television. Offense, Jace Alexander, because holy shit, this episode. Let's get started. Um, oh, uh, unless
1: you have something else to No, I want to know, like, what do you remember about this show when it premiered? Like, did you watch this show? Mm-mm,
0: no, 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 I I watched it. I don't remember watching it when it first premiered. I think, like, my mom had either, like, t a lot of it, or I watched it totally out of order and never saw the pilot. I don't actually remember it. Or we might have gotten it on, like, Netflix DVDs. I definitely wasn't, like, a part of the premiere, because in 2007, I was 14, and so, and we weren't really watching a lot of television in my house mm. at the time. So I, I would not have really, that wouldn't have been the time that I would have done that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't remember shit.
1: Because I do actually remember this pretty, like, vividly. Because I think I watched it, like, because I think at the time, like, me and my family, we were watching. My mom loved Monk.
0: Oh, was that, is there, like, a crossover?
1: No, well, it was on the USA Network. um Because okay. I think, like... My mom also has OCD, okay. And that was a show about OCD. It wasn't like a particularly accurate show about OCD, sure. But I think that was sort of, and she likes sort of like breezy fun television. And so like she would watch Monk, and she loved Monk on USA. And so like when Monk premiered, and then like Psych premiered, and we also watched Psych. Psych is so much fun.
0: Oh yeah, I'm rewatching Psych right now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> That's not surprising at all. And so between like Monk and Psych, hey, the USA Network sort of built this very specific brand mm-hmm. um and it was a brand that my mom loved and I also watched because uh, it was like it's a really fun like brand mm-hmm. uh, how old were you in 2007 uh I graduated high school so old um yeah I, well I would actually in 2007 mm-hmm. um summer 2000 summer 2007 I would have been I would have turned 19 that year i was i was about to turn 19 old old yeah and so i remember very vividly this show premiering and like the idea of like them sort of expanding their brand and like before they the brand of usa kind of devolved a bit into just kind of really generic
0: like ensemble comedies but one boy is extra special
1: yeah exactly (laughs) which
0: is sort of suits yeah. everyone's in sooth but one sooth boy it's extra special. it's
1: extra special that's because that's that's what it is because it's really because one thing about burn notice and a lot of these shows that like really goes back all the way to Sherlock Holmes is that they're competence porn yeah I
0: love it um, I love competence porn
1: um and funnily enough this one as we've discussed shot like actual porn
0: yeah this is this is a show this about is, a spy.
1: This is a show about a spy
0: made by filmmakers who think they're making a porno.
1: <laughs> really, really.
0: But not a good one, and that's not- the other thing: is it's like that's not even a good porno. No,
1: it's a bad porno. Um, but yeah, very much like the point of this, like the point of Sherlock Holmes and the point of Monk or whatever, is to watch really competent people be very clever for forty-five minutes and then to go, wow. It's
0: it's just. It's a fundamental need of human beings to see competence because we see so little of it in our day-to-day lives. This is very true. Honestly, like that's why like that bullshit, like porn for women books exist because God help us. <laughs> if I ever saw a man doing the dishes, I'd lose my whole shit. Just kidding. Hey ladies. <laughs> hey ladies. Did you hear that? <laughs> but, this is, but like, that's why that, but like there is a stereotype that that is referencing. Yeah. And I think it's, what usa is responding to in this era which is everyone's a, a fool here's a very special boy who isn't
1: our very special boy our
0: very special boy michael weston a spy uh would you like to get into the episode let's
1: get into the episode
0: all right so this week i am recapping uh and i want to first start off by saying that the first scene of this episode doesn't make any goddamn sense It's shot very bizarrely. Uh, It starts with Michael Weston like sort of like muttering to himself about like being a spy is boring um, while the camera is stuttering and like not quite slow-mo but also not quite not slow-mo and he's like waiting to get picked up and then he gets picked up by some thugs. What is with the camera stutter?
1: Here's the thing about this that was really fascinating and frustrating to me in my experience of watching this. I just watched this. Yeah. Um, The internet in our apartment right now is being extra bad.
0: Yeah. And see, that's what I always assume. But the thing is I've watched the burn pilot several times and it's always like that at first.
1: Exactly. And the, the whole time I'm watching it, I can't tell how much of this like opening is the show doing what it's doing and how much it is my internet screwing up because it is very hard to tell.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it is a very bizarre choice, especially for the opening shot of your action show. Luckily, though, we don't have to wait long for an action shot. Because then there's a scene where he talks to some drug dealers, mobsters in another country. It's very interesting. They're in Nigeria. It, it's sort of just generalized bad guys. He is yeah. in a room with them.
1: What it's kind a spy of... plot. This he... is the beginning of every James Bond movie.
0: Sure. Uh, but not only is the conversation almost completely incomprehensible in terms of, like, what's happening in the plot. But also what is the room that they're in um so i i have copy and pasted some thoughts about a filmmaking term called the 180 rule um so the 180 rule is completely fucking obliterated in this episode in this specific scene of the episode And so the 180 line, I've copied and pasted some uh, helpful tips about it so that you understand just how incomprehensible this goddamn scene is in terms of the visualization of where everyone is. So the 180 line is, uh, if you think about having two subjects facing each other in the frame, imagine that there is a 360-degree circle around them. And then your mind cut that circle in half, creating a... Uh, line in the center of the circle that runs between your two subjects. If we violate the 180 rule and move the camera to the other half of the circle for one or two of the close-ups or the over-the-shoulder shots, both characters will be facing the same direction, and the audience will think they're no longer talking to each other. If you move in for both close-ups, it seems like the characters have switched spots and are now facing the other direction. This creates confusion and can pull the audience out of the story. According to this thing that I googled, basically the 180 line is there so that it makes sense visually without having to really think about it where everyone is in a room and who is talking when yeah especially when you're just being introduced to people and we've just met michael weston a spy uh they don't do this in this like literally they it was like they decided to do a different shot for every line in this scene one time michael weston's on the left side of the screen one time he's all the way back and on the right and it's like what does this room look like where are we what's
1: happening I think, yeah, I think they're trying to hide the fact that this room has not been dressed very well at all. For one thing, I... I mean, also, if they not
0: mean to their mobsters. It could be blank walls. Who gives a shit?
1: But the weird... Also, the, another weird thing about this scene and a lot of scenes in this episode is how much is shot from a really high angle. Like, almost a security camera angle, but not quite. There's a lot of, like, weird above-angle shots that are not framed well, are not lit well. None of this show is lit well.
0: Yeah, it's very bizarre. Although it is hard to say, because it's an older show, like how much of that is like lighting and how much of it is like just like lower quality because, you know, our our screens are now much higher quality than they had access to at the time. So I'm willing to give it a little bit of a break in terms of lighting, but you're right. The camera angles are bizarre. Also, I think this is a good time to point out. If you have not listened to our uh, intro episode, we retread a little bit of the same stuff that we do in the intro of this episode, but we also like introduce ourselves. We are filmmakers. We're not just like pedantic assholes i mean we're that too but we're pedantic assholes who know filmmaking stuff because we are filmmakers uh and that's why we're going to be talking a lot about the angles of cameras in this goddamn (laughs) banana pants that's right
1: we are filmmakers (laughs) that's why we copy paste wikipedia articles about the 180 it was not
0: a wikipedia article it was like a like blog spot about (laughs) filmmaking terms or something
1: so much better
0: yeah it was like the second link instead of the first one (laughs) Point being though like we are we've only talked about the first two scenes which amount to like maybe a minute and a half of the pilot and they're both banana pants who made these decisions Jace um okay so. So the next part of my outline that I've written down is that Michael Weston, a spy, is doing a deal in a room that might have 18 walls and 20 people in it. Who knows? Because fuck the 180 rule, right? Uh, a, quote, wannabe warlord, as labeled by Michael Weston, We
1: didn't talk about the li- One of the things about this... Uh, now, this I, whole show. I, this, this whole show. Yeah, they do it in every episode. And, uh, it's been a while since I've watched... Yeah. Where <laughs> every character gets, like, a lower third... Like,
0: cutesy little label in, with the, a, in, yeah. the, in the font of the logo.
1: Exactly. Um, so, yeah, like... It's, sometimes it's snarky, sometimes it isn't.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's just very literal like exactly. I guess to visually help you out a little.
1: Exactly. Um in like in terms of exposition, which is interesting in a show that also has narration. One thing I also want to look up because um, I'm very curious about is the timeline of this, of this and when Dexter premiered.
0: <laughs> How about you look that up and I'm going to continue my recap. So okay, so Wait. But
1: also one more thing about the scene before like... Well, cover- I'm
0: going to keep talking about the scene.
1: Before like we go into the thing that happens and how everything changes when he's being interrogated by the wannabe warlord is that it, de- it debuts a very important fact about this show,
0: uh-huh.
1: which is that Jeffrey Donovan is not funny. <laughs> um But
0: in how aggressively unfunny he is, he's extremely funny. Um, Honestly, yeah. Michael Weston cracks me up. That's why his aliases are one of the, like, core tenets of what makes a Great Burn Notice episode and why I pitched that as one of our tenets. Because he's... He is iconic. He's sort of, like... He has dead, dead eyes and it's beautiful.
1: Exactly. Like, he... Everything, like, he says, they give him a bunch of very funny lines and they... None of them land. Like, he's supposed to be being snarky. He's supposed to be being clever, and he says everything in the most dry, like, affectless voice ever. Like, I totally believe that he's a spy because he sounds like a psychopath.
0: <laughs> I love one dead eyed boy. Jeffrey Donovan, please come on the show. Uh, Anyways, so the wannabe warlord named Boris, of course his name is Boris, uh, whose whereabouts in the room are extremely hard to follow, uh, is being given money in exchange for not blowing up oil refineries. And also, I guess he's going to be providing security for a particular area of land in exchange for not blowing up oil refineries. The deal itself did not make a whole lot of sense, but it sounds like they were like, hey, stop being a bad guy. We will pay you to be a slightly less bad guy.
1: I think, yeah, I think it's sort of like they're almost like buying insurance in like a mob sort of way. Like, Mm -hmm. we're giving you money. Don't blow up these oil refineries. This area is safe.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh and so after you know the negotiation has ended uh somewhere in the room Michael calls his spy friends to complete his spy mission by wiring the money and discovers they're not sending the money in because he a spy has been burned and he uses a flip phone in the scene which I thought was uses extremely charming a
1: flip phone this show Came out in 2007, guys. It sure did.
0: Uh, I do want to point out at this moment, though, that it feels like they could have maybe burnt him after he finishes the mission because, like, him being, like, you know, whatever they think he is for the reason that he was burned, like, is seemingly has nothing to do with Boris and his oil, like, blowing upness. And so it's sort of like, why burn him literally at this moment? Like, they couldn't be like, yeah, we've wired the money. Um, also, you're fired. Get out of there. You're, like, shit is fucked. You know, like, why why would they do this in the middle? Like, that seems, like, so unnecessary. And, like, it seems like they wanted him to kill him. But also, this means, do they either not care about Boris blowing up oil refineries? Or are they going to have to send in another goddamn spy to do this exact same deal in ten minutes? I
1: think, A, a big part of this is, and I watched this show, again, as it came out years ago. And... I cannot, for the life of me, actually remember who burned him, (laughs) which Uh, is important.
0: It happens, I think you find out, like, the end of season one. Exactly. I I think it's Girl from Battlestar Galactica.
1: Maybe, yeah. I
0: think that, or she's part of it, and then something happens to her. It's
1: like X-Files mythology episodes, where, like, the deeper you go, the more, like, (laughs) incomprehensible it gets. Yeah. But, but the impression that I got, and one of the things that they actually kind of make do make a point of trying to stress in th- the bad scene mm-hmm. is that Michael Weston is a private contractor. No one ever says the words private contractor, but they make a point of saying that he's not technically a member of the CIA. Um,
0: I thought he was. I thought he actively worked for the government.
1: I mean, or at least unless he's lying about that. But, but like, regardless, but the point of but the they point sent of... him on this mission before
0: he was burned, presumably for a reason. But like, the... and then mid mission, they're like, actually, fuck this dude. <laughs>
1: because the thing is that it really, I assume it sounds like that the person who burned him is both higher up than the people who gave him this mission, and B are completely unconcerned with this mission at all. Like they're not like. If I remember correctly, he gets burned to get another job, and like...
0: Yeah, well, eventually, but it still remains, like, it wasn't the higher-up who gave him the call. Like, he has a specific contact that he's calling for this specific mission. Did they just tell the group of people in the van, like, hey, by the way, this mission is bullshit, you're not gonna finish it, because fuck Michael Weston? Yeah. I don't know, I'm just saying that doesn't make sense to me. It feels like, maybe finish that thing, and then fire him.
1: It... It does. Maybe, again, maybe they're trying to kill him. But also, I get the sense that the people who burned him do not care about this thing.
0: Well, uh, that's the problem with bureaucracy, folks. Yeah. Uh, have you looked up when Dexter premiered?
1: Dexter premiered a year earlier in 2006.
0: And what does that tell you? Is Was that a USA show?
1: That was not a USA show. That was a Showtime show. But that was also a show that lived and died on its voiceover narration, Mm-mm. giving you clever tricks about how to do things that you shouldn't normally do. Oh. Um, and I remember watching this show and also like thinking, like, there is this sense of that it wants to be Dexter, but for spies.
0: I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, no, that's totally <laughs> fine. But, like, there is this thing going on. So, like, A, either, I'm not saying this is necessarily a direct ripoff, but also that was in here.
0: Got it. Okay, good Good to know. I'm glad we worked that out. Yeah. Uh, so he's burned. Uh, he can't wire them the money. And so he turns around and then there's like a comedy smash cut to him getting like beat the shit on the ground. Really
1: badly. This is another thing. <laughs> this episode. The thing about this episode that blows my mind, that is fascinating to me, mm-hmm. um, is that every choice that the episode makes is there... To deflate the stakes of Michael Weston being burned. Like, the thing is, like, this, like, the stakes of this episode are never, ever as high as they are when he has been burned and he is in this room, like, room full of mob, bo- like, warlords. Mm-hmm. He, like, everything is, like, got, like, the the tension of this. Like, again, the scene's not well written or act- or directed. But like the tension of this idea, the, the the tension of this is central to like the tension of the show in a way. Is mm-hmm. that he like he's
0: completely cut off. He's completely cut off. He, cut off. he, he has, has no idea what's he happening. He has
1: no support, and being a spy without support is deadly mm-hmm. and especially incredi- when you were
0: expecting it. Like you exactly. didn't go into this situation thinking you were alone.
1: Incredibly dangerous, mm-hmm. and and then. And it's like, it sets up this really high tension thing. Smash cut to like five or six guys kicking him softly. <laughs> like, just the. And he seems fine. Yeah. He's and like, funny. and then like, there's all that tension is immediately gone. And then it just becomes... Because
0: it's a little bit of a snarky comedy, too. Exactly.
1: And it is immediately gone, and then there's no, like... And it never gets that back. In fact, it constantly deflates it Mm -hmm. um, throughout.
0: Yeah, my life's falling apart, but ain't my mama, bitch. Exactly.
1: (laughs) That sort of thing. Yeah. And just, like, again, from that real high angle, just, Mm -hmm. like, comically kicking him, like... Like, the play y- playground bullies that we will see later in the episode. Mm-hmm. um, Like, just sort of, why didn't they shoot him? Isn't why didn't they shoot? Like, why Why is he... Well, s-
0: because they want the money. And, and so like, this is what gets us to the next scene, Chris. But
1: Yeah, no, but like, he hasn't actually convinced them about the money. yet. It's uh,
0: Well, they're mad. They're warlords and they're, they're real...
1: They're gonna... They're, they're real gonna, PO'd. Yeah, they're gonna give you a... Kicking, gosh darn it.
0: (laughs) Uh, So anyways, uh, once the smash cut of goons kicking the shit out of him in a very well-organized circle, uh, he lies about being able to get them the money in a different way. Uh, And then he takes them into a bathroom uh, where we get some spy tips. Uh, and then he escapes the bathroom after beating the shit out of his captors with uh, a Dutch angle transition shot that makes no sense. Yeah. Then he steals a motorcycle, but in a nice way. Oh. And there's a small car chase. Oh, yeah.
1: But also, and I can't stress this enough, he kills those dudes.
0: Does he kill them? I don't know. No,
1: they make a point. of No, because this is interesting, too. Because they make a point of him killing those dudes. Like, And it's part of the Dutch angle, I think. I think because like, he's there. There's these two guys. He fights them off. And then he gets a gun, cut outside, two gunshots. But the Dutch
0: angle, can we say, as a transition moving shot? Fucking hilarious. It's It's It's, great. But yeah. It's it's, a perfect shot.
1: (laughs) Yes. Great job, Jace. Like, and it's sort of, again, it feels like it's laying the ground early on. Like, no, this dude kills people. Mm -hmm. Monk doesn't kill people. (laughs) But Michael Weston, spy, kills people.
0: Yeah, uh, so we have a small car chase, and then he gets on a, what looks like a semi-private plane somehow, even though he is a burned spy and presumably can't access any, like, money or resources. He just, like, wanders onto the tarmac and is, like, uh, covered in blood, yeah. all of his clothes are torn, and he's like, hey, can I get on this plane? And they're like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit of, uh, not really even a spy tip, just sort of a an offhanded comment in the narration. Uh, We'll get to the spy tips much later in the show. Gets stuck in Miami, I guess. He gets to Miami somehow.
1: Apparently that's where they're supposed to send him, like... So
0: he wakes up in a bed in a hotel room in Miami, uh, by his Irish ex girlfriend Fiona, played by Gabrielle Anwar, uh, who... she's
1: so Irish in this episode, I don't... and then
0: it never comes back. Yeah, you know, I will discuss the Irish accent disappearing. Uh, although she is like canonically someone who like fought with the Irish like revolution or yeah. something, so like she is Correct. canonically Irish the whole time. But this is the only episode where she has any semblance of an accent. But throughout the episode, sort of, sort of loses it. This the really... actual actress is, is British, so like she has a real accent. Yeah. But they didn't use it for some reason. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. I mean, I she's not Irish, and the accent is not great.
0: Anyway, so she's Irish, I guess. Uh, and he forgot. Oh, he she's le- so Irish. But for like twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, he the reason she's there uh, is that he'd listed her as his emergency contact for some reason, and he still had his actual identification on him, and they called her, and she. Flew in from Ireland. Where did she fly in from? She was not in Miami previously. I think she came there for him and then decided to stick around. Yeah. Uh, unclear plot, but she's there and a little bit Irish. It's
1: because she loves him.
0: Uh, it's also revealed in the scene that she has called his mom. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun uh he tries to check into a nicer hotel than the motel that he wakes up in but all of his accounts have been frozen oh no he's been burned uh he tries to go to his old handler while wearing a visor fails mm-hmm. to do so uh he gets some kids to pretend that his government surveillance tales are pedophiles so he can get away from them he gets a messenger outfit to visit a character called lucy who is labeled in our little lower third as ex spy
1: yeah
0: um then, uh, okay, so then I have some subpoints for this scene.
1: I remember this scene, I, does Lucy ever show up again? No, right? A couple
0: of times. A couple, because I remember like. She she gives him a mission in a couple of episodes.
1: Because I remember watching the scene thinking like, oh, I don't remember this person at all. Was she, this...
0: she, she's written out by like mid season one. Right. And I couldn't she dis- might die. I don't remember. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we all, we we'll, are we'll all die. <laughs> we yeah. are, we're all dying. We're all dying. <laughs> we're all dying. <laughs> we were born dying. Um, but okay. So my sub point A under this, uh, is why does every scene in this pilot need a different shot for every line and sometimes two shots per line, all at different Dutch angles, Jace. Uh, also while in this Lucy X spies office, uh, he does a panting, cheerful dog pose when asking for money slash help, which is off-putting and weirdly charming. Uh, cause he still has completely dead eyes, but he does a little like hand curl and <laughs> so, um, that was delightful to see. Uh Lucy X spy mentions a character named Sam Ash and that he may have a job for Michael if he wants to be. Is it really cash.
1: It's Sam Axe, right?
0: Is it Axe or Ash?
1: I thought it was
0: It's probably Axe. It's
1: Axe like the body spray because he is like the human equivalent of the body spray.
0: That's fair. It's probably. Although Sam but Ash. the thing
1: is that it would be funny if he was Ash because, because
0: Ash versus Evil Dead.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um it's the most famous character. But yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, and so it's, uh, like, my sense from this scene, especially weirdly given that, like, we know she doesn't last very long, is that it feels like they're kind of setting her up as a potential love interest, which is weird because they never revisit that, although she does show up in other episodes, so I guess they're just like, nah, never mind spies
1: wanna fuck women
0: it also sort of seemed like a thing where like she was like his student so maybe that was like they were all kind of got together and they're like maybe that's messed up and we shouldn't explore that because we have the hot irish girl who we no longer want to be irish but just a little irish just a little irish god that that whole i don't know what's happening so anyway so sam axe slash ash uh is played by bruce campbell so now we meet our our second uh sidekick character who is a washed up former agent himself, who's now in semi retirement in Miami, flirting with anything that moves that also has boobs.
1: So many bo- there's so many boobs in this episode. I mean Miami. Yeah, like there's there's a
0: lot of like transitionary shots of like women from the neck down.
1: Yeah, and just like lots of like yeah, lots of transitions. Like there's a scene earlier in the episode where he's like staying at like a motel that has like drunk party girls, and they have like a spy tip that's there to justify all the drunk party girls and like it doesn't matter
0: mm-hmm. well he doesn't stay at that hotel he's there uh to get away from, from the guys yeah, with suits exactly
1: but yeah and just throughout and like introducing sam x what we're introduced to him by just being really gross about some random woman, mm-hmm. just yeah. really gross. So
0: I think we've already established uh, peak Bruce Campbell at this part in the episode.
1: Exactly, is that he's just being really gross right away? There's so many, there's so many boobs. There's a moment later in this episode where they cut from like boobs to boobs to like cubist painting of boobs. <laughs>
0: Sometimes this show does things very well. Uh, Anyway, so finally, we've now set up all the characters and what's happened. And it's time for the case of the week. So uh, Javier is a caretaker at a big mansion who's been accused of robbery but claims he's being framed. Javier is played by one of the cops from Dexter. From Dexter, yeah. So everything is connected. Also, um, the boss, the guy who lives in the mansion, is played by a guy who plays the priest in Psych.
1: Yeah, also, no, a connection. Well, no, yeah, he's played Ray. It's Ray Wise. Oh, okay. Ray Wise is very famous.
0: Yeah, he's, I mean, Wy- he's like a character actor. Right? Yeah, it was,
1: well, yeah, he's a very famous character actor. Ray Wise is the get of this episode. Like, he's he the person who is, like, lending legitimacy to this, basically. I mean, Bruce Campbell also, but, like, Ray Wise, they've gotten Ray Wise because, like, they like make a
0: splash. Exactly.
1: They're like, he's the person who is there to be like, no, this is a legit show. They got Ray Wise. Yeah, so... He's just uh, on Twin Peaks. I think, like, that's the first thing that people think of when they think of him.
0: I think of him as the priest on Psych. I um, know, but
1: he's the priest on Psych because of Twin Peaks. Whatever,
0: whatever. He also wears a white pinstriped suit in this show. So exactly. that's great. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah, a bad ba- guy. Basically, the case of the week is that Javier is being framed for stealing something from this man who lives in a mansion.
1: Exactly. Because uh, he's, a, he's a bad guy in the suits. The costuming on this show, in general...
0: Is perfect... It's exactly what it needs to be. It is.
1: Like everyone is, everyone is costume in this show like this show is a cartoon.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's great. I love it. Honestly, that's what makes it iconic (laughs) because it's set in Miami. Uh, And that's how people look. Uh, Michael then somehow gets a weird warehouse apartment behind a nightclub when he gets a call from his mother, who is my least favorite character, but most favorite actress, uh, Sharon Gless. I looked it up. I think the actress is hysterical. Yeah. I hate the character. No, the character's terrible. The character's but the worst.
1: I do believe, like, part of the reason... Hey, I think Sam sets him up with the apartment.
0: Does he? I yeah, know.
1: but because that's important because there's a subplot of, like, part of the reason that he gets his apartment, I think, is that he gets the drug dealer out.
0: Right, yeah, there's a small drug dealer sub-subplot that yeah, we'll get to in a second. Exactly, but yes. Um, so, after he gets this call from his mother, he drives to her to a doctor's appointment while being tailed by the FBI, and we get some insight into his dead father, who used to beat him up. Classic spy backstory, daddy issues.
1: The show literally says that that's classic spy backstory at some point.
0: I think probably, yeah. Later
1: it does. It's like, yeah, no, like... Spies come from broken homes and some shit like that. Yeah,
0: some shit like that. Then there's a bomb building montage because he's trying to get the attention of someone. Uh, We don't know it yet, but we'll find out in a second. Michael then visits Javier again, bonds in that bad but also good way with Javier's small child, and asks for half the money up front. He then visits Sam, who is tanning and drinking. Then he meets Barry, a vaguely queer-coded money launderer who also ends up as a hacker leader in the series. I don't know. Barry is just sort of there to be sassy and kind of gay, but not so gay that it's threatening.
1: I mean, this pilot in particular. Yeah.
0: Oh, I know every single time. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, trust me. I'm on this pilot. Yes. It's very aggressively 2007. Uh, So Michael, after meeting with these couple of people, goes home to find some people making out on his stoop. And he learns that there's a drug dealer named Sugar. Fantastic name for a drug dealer, by the way. Uh, His name is Sugar, who used to work in this club's back area. Uh, This will come up later. So he doesn't... Not a lot happens other than two people are making out uh, because they're waiting for Sugar, this drug dealer. The drug dealer Sugar. Who, like, hangs out where Michael's new, like, warehouse apartment is. Yeah. Um, My
1: favorite actual... My actual favorite gag in this episode in this pilot is that he lives right next to this club and so every time he tries to get into his apartment he has to like try to cut through the line and explain that he's not cutting through the line he's just trying to go home (laughs) and that's a very good joke
0: yeah and it comes up a lot and it's very fun uh okay cool so then so we hear we learn about sugar but don't meet him yet um he then wakes up to a call from his handler Dan, who has never seen or heard from again, if I'm remembering this correctly, who has received Michael's fake bomb. Uh, and we learned that the reason that Michael had a bomb building montage earlier in the episode is that he's trying to get a rise out of his old handler so that he will finally call him back. Uh, this call is visorless, which is disappointing. He has no information, Dan, uh, but indicates that he thinks that the burn notice is bullshit and tells Michael that he definitely can't leave Miami slash shouldn't. Um, so that's some new information, and also, he built a great bomb.
1: Built a, a fake, fake bomb. A course. fake bomb, yeah.
0: Uh, but then we meet Sugar, the highlight of the episode. Sugar has bleached hair, and is exactly who you're imagining. He tries to pick a fight with Michael, but Michael is a spy, so he twists his arm and leaves. Yeah. Sugar is displeased. This will also come up later.
1: That's- My Sugar, Sugar is displeased. Is so <laughs> Sugar uh, is
0: displeased. So after he meets Sugar, and Sugar is spring displeased. Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers. I've never yeah,
1: seen yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And like um, he's and this drug dealer specifically feels like, frankly, the PG version of um, James Franco in uh, Spring Breakers. I can see that. Yes.
0: Uh, so now, now that we're a little bit further in the mystery, Michael visits the definitely queer-coded art dealer who Barry recommended, Barry being the other queer-coded character so far.
1: And again, like, I really want to focus on this guy's costume.
0: Oh, I don't remember it.
1: His? No, because again, definitely queer-coded. And also, like, the bit about this is that, well, it's an art, he's a... Uh, he's an art dealer art dealer so like he's got like a cardigan like that he's worn like around his like like fucking neck and stuff like again he looks like a cartoon character art dealer Mm -hmm. um they're like Like
0: pastel colors pastel
1: colors all that stuff they're in this his house claire de loon is playing
0: (laughs) i don't i forgot about that
1: (laughs) claire de loon because it's artistic this is an art dealer's house, so Claire de Lune is playing. Of
0: course, yeah. So Michael pretends to be a buyer, uh, and the art dealer indicates that someone tried to. He's s- doing
1: like a bad British accent. Of
0: course, he is because he's Michael Weston, a spy. Yeah. Uh, so the, the art dealer indicates that somebody tried to sell the paintings that were stolen like six months ago. So before the, anything was stolen, these paintings were attempted to be sold uh, and suggests that he and Michael should go look at some nude Greco-Roman wrestlers because haha, gay people, am I right? Gay
1: panic joke one.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we cut to an episode where I'm pretty sure there's... The next gay pan. No, the next gay panic is in like two episodes, yeah, uh, two scenes, two scenes. But, but like,
1: they're but, in quick succession. Yeah,
0: basically, the end of this scene is Michael just sort of like widening his eyes in a little bit of fright because this man wants to look at nude Greco-Roman wrestling paintings with him. He might Yay. be gay. Yay terrifying uh michael then breaks into psych priest's house ray
1: wise sure beloved character actor
0: and has his first yogurt of the series yogurt is a uh my favorite part of burn notice to be honest it's my favorite character it's like sex in the city the fifth character is the yogurt
1: (laughs) it's the yogurt yeah um (laughs) michael
0: michael weston loves some goddamn yogurt what i love
1: about that what i love about this is that in this episode like the first time he gets yogurt it's not about the yogurt Mm -mm. it's just like like, it's, it's to a be prop. Dis-
0: yeah, it's to be disarming in case somebody walks in on him. Because his his whole spy tip is like, and we'll read it later. Yeah, exactly. It's something about, like, you know, if you break into someone's house, don't, like, wear a ski mask. Like, just wear normal clothes and, like, do something normal. And then when somebody walks in, just act really confused and apologetic. So, yeah. like, get a yogurt from the fridge. Act like you're just hanging out.
1: And I like the idea, though, that, like, the writers looked at that scene and thought, man, a dude loves yogurt, though. <laughs> <laughs> a dude loves yogurt, though.
0: God, I, he loves yogurt, and I love that he loves it.
1: That's that is his only character trait. I know he <laughs> loves yogurt. It's The
0: only one he needs
1: exactly the the bible for this show. <laughs> under Michael Michael Weston is character. Michael Weston
0: comma a spy
1: comma spy parentheses thirties like bullet point loves yogurt. That's it. Yep. And All we need. Michael West and. Jeffrey Donovan, to his credit, played that.
0: Yes, he did. And he does a great job. Jeffrey Donovan, please come on the show. Uh, So while he's wandering around with his yogurt, he discovers that the rich guy uh, is framing the employee. So Javier is is in fact being framed by his boss, Ray. Wise. Sure. Uh, He made some bad business deals and needed to get the insurance money. So pretty classic, you know, laundering, blackmail, frame up. What have you. The next day, Michael visits Javier again and suggests he fight back. Javier agrees, and his son gives Michael a drawing of Michael shooting a gun. Kids.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, Michael gets fresh with rich guy and then makes a, does this shirt come in men's joke to a uh, special forces security guy because haha, masculinity is so fragile. Gay panic
1: joke number two.
0: <sighs> this is like like four in very quick succession. This is There's a lot of gay panic in this. I,
1: I think it's three. I have three in my notes.
0: Okay, well it's too many yes matt nix come on buddy it's fine men can wear tighter shirts and it's fine you can platonically look at greco-roman wrestling it's fine
1: greco-roman wrestling
0: wrestling yeah Uh,
1: that's how you pronounce it It, it, is that how he says it
0: yeah exactly (laughs) uh so roman wrestling <laughs> that's very Sean Connery. I know, who's Scottish. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so after the third gay panic joke of the oh. episode,
1: well, that's the second. One. Yeah, well, there's well, the second
0: does... gay panic joke, third like yeah. semi negatively queer coded exactly reference. Uh, Michael buys some cheap phones, including a sparkly pink one. Oh no, this is the that's the fourth one. It's the sparkly phone. Exactly. Yeah, that's what so I it's, have. It's Barry being queer coded, but I don't
1: think Barry is supposed to be a joke.
0: Mm, it's a little bit he's like a little like especially as the series goes I on mean, he's very sort but of I like, mean like
1: in this script i don't think barry was supposed to be a fair
0: enough okay so yeah so this is the third queer not that i'm joke.
1: defending yeah no,
0: no no i mean barry's great but also yeah. it's like yeah. i see what you're doing there exactly a little earring um but michael buys some cheek phones uh including a spink park spink a pink sparkly one the girl selling it is like it has Aw. a name. Uh, oh, did you write the name now? I
1: believe it's something along the lines of, like, Hello, Sweetheart. Yeah. Which is is what you call a phone. Yeah,
0: it's great. It's perfect. The Um, Hello,
1: Sweetheart phone.
0: And the girl selling it is like, aw, is it for your little girl? As if this grown man doesn't literally just say to her face, what's your cheapest phone? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what she's saying, but it's a way of us to set up, like, oh, ha, 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 this manly man with the dead eyes wants a pink sparkly phone.
1: And she, like... (laughs) like does like a triple take like the actress like like gives him the sparkly phone like he just looks at it he's like yeah i got my hello sweetheart phone she looks at him she looks at him again she just kind of like really like what 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 what
0: (laughs) a man wants a sparkly phone hello sweetheart
1: oh oh he must be one of those one of those gays
0: (laughs) one of those flouncy boys yeah uh so that happens um he makes a bug. With these cheap phones, because apparently that's how you do it. You, you get a cheap phone for the microphone and an expensive phone for the battery, I yeah. guess, is the way that he would describe it. And then he has dinner with Fiona, where she breaks out a few more hints of an accent, confusingly. Not—it The accent is already like notably less there. Yeah. And it's the same episode that we've introduced her Exactly. In. So confusing. He asks her for tactical support and also once again is mad at her for giving him up to his mother. Quote, and I wrote this down because it's very funny uh because this is a conversation that he and fear having to like discuss their backstory relationships just aren't my thing but it makes you feel any better you were the closest i ever got just wasn't close enough i guess a spy is just a criminal with a government paycheck fiona you get it
1: oh god can i say also the thing about this show is that um going forward um in order to explain the premise in lieu of a Theme song, really. It's just Michael Weston explaining the premise, mm-hmm. and, like In cut a series cli- of clips, and it's cut of a series of clips from the pilot. Mm-hmm. And I watched enough of this show that as I was watching the pilot, every time one came on, I'd be like, "Drink." <laughs> and this this scene with with Fiona is like chock full of them. Mm-hmm. How Like, most of her introduction in the opening is from this scene.
0: hmm Well, and the very first scene. Exactly. Is like, Miami. My, or in, like, her whatever like it's fucking... Miami,
1: and then, should we shoot them? Miami. And, like, yeah, there's all this Some stuff. Some
0: incomprehensible accent. That's definitely not the one that they say that she has. Uh, then they get drunk and make out a little bit at Michael's place when Sugar... Uh, no, not sugar. A sugar goon
1: shows up. A sugar goon, yeah. A
0: sugar goon shows up. Fiona Those... takes him down because she is a capital strong woman and then gets super horny. Michael goes soft. She leaves in a huff. He makes a pithy remark.
1: He said, I believe he says like something like, violence may be foreplay for you, but it isn't for me.
0: Boring. <laughs> uh, Fiona, you deserve better.
1: Because like her violence is like emotional and unpredictable, but his violence is rational.
0: Mm-hmm. Women, am I right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, Michael goes to a hardware store to fuck with sugar in order to get him out of his new apartment situation. Then he goes to stage a scene in front of Rich Guy, who played a priest on Psych. I just said, because like, I'm forgetting his name, so I was like, Rich Guy played priest on Psych. Uh, Ray Wise. So they could plant their new Hello, Sweetheart, you were correct, bug in his car. Then he... Uh,
1: I remember because he says, like, like once he gets it in, like, he gets the fucking... Once he gets it in. Once he, like, gets the bug set up, he just like... He goes, Hello, sweetheart. Fade to a sunset. Fade to a fucking sunset.
0: Honestly, great choice. Uh then he visits his With high- So f- many
1: fades in this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean it's two thousand seven. That's the yeah. shit they were doing. There was no, f-
1: it's not. I don't want to the point were- out that it's it's the shit that like this level of show was doing.
0: You mean brilliant? Yes uh he then goes to visit his hypochondriac mother again who guilts him over not seeing his brother yet and just about anything else because moms am i right
1: also he has a brother
0: yeah you don't meet him yet no but but we will uh foreshadowing there's a brother uh he learns that rich guy is going to kidnap javier's son uh and so as a result of this leland
1: palmer on twin peaks (laughs) Ray-wise.
0: Yeah, he's going to kidnap Javier's son, the one that that gave Michael Weston a cute drawing because kids are precocious. Uh, So Michael Weston jacks some guy's car that he claims he's stealing because it doesn't have airbags in order to smash into the bodyguard's car on the way to kidnap said kid. There's a lot of things that work out timing-wise that do not make sense. But cool. Uh, He, like,
1: also, like, he carjacks the car with the guy in it who is constantly freaking out and then, like crashes this car into the other guy's car and like the one thing we know about the car that they're in is that they don't have airbags. Mm -hmm. Now, Michael Weston is a spy and so he has a lot of training i'm sure one of his spy tips that he doesn't say out loud is how to survive a car crash that in a car that doesn't have an airbag mm-hmm. um this bystander has no such training Mm-mm. there's absolutely no reason that this guy should maybe
0: and then isn't he given like an expensive watch off of the guy who they crash into yeah as if that's not going to be suspicious at all exactly So that's a whole other situation. Then Michael rescues the kid, hurrah, uh, with some very weird timing and takes him to his weird nightclub apartment uh, where he learns the kid is being bullied. So this is like plot D or E at this point, but the kid's being bullied, I guess. Bummer.
1: It's like the thematic thing. I think they're like setting up the thematic idea of Michael Weston as someone generally like...
0: fights for the little guy. Fights for
1: the little guy. Um, I feel like the the way a lot of times in the story when we want to like justify a hero that likes to hurt people mm-hmm. who likes to blow people up but he's
0: good with kids exactly well
1: yeah he's good with kids but also there's specifically very much the idea of like we will um we will root for a violent man if he is against bullies it's the same thing with like steve rogers like steve rogers like is just a big, strong guy, mm-hmm. but he fights bullies, so that's fine.
0: That's fair. Um, uh, I'm sure glad we put this in the pilot, because it wasn't, you know... it was it, it, The pilot wasn't complicated enough <laughs> yet, and it was going so well yeah. that we needed this extra subplot, W, as I lab- label it here. Uh, so then we have some montage where uh, Michael teaches this kid to kick some ass, uh, mm. and it's adorable. Uh, Michael then crashes Sam's meeting with <gasps> Michael's FBI tales! Sam's working with the FBI that's been tailing Michael. Uh, Oh, no. But Michael's not mad. He's pragmatic and says Sam can keep getting a snitch paycheck as long as he edits the snitching. Here's
1: my question about this. Sam
0: agrees because they're pals. Yeah, Yeah, what's your your question?
1: Why do the FBI informants have any reason to trust Sam anymore? Like, isn't the whole point of Sam informing on... Michael Weston like the only reason the integrity of that works that so they can trust the information is that the F- FBI informants like that's like Michael doesn't know that he's being informed on surely by like announcing the fact that he knows that, t- that Sam is informing on him he's announcing to them hey you probably shouldn't trust any information that you get from this guy going forward because I know that he's informing on me
0: I think they're sort of things that they know Michael is too good for them to get this information any other way than from a reasonable source. And I think that they also are sort of trusting that Sam's a little bit of a dirtbag who just needs a paycheck. I don't think that they quite trust the loyalty between them yet. And I don't think that they have a ton of loyalty between them yet. Like that hasn't really been built up. I think Sam's thing is that he's sort of a dirtbag who needs the cash. And so he has to give them enough correct information to justify Continuing to earn that paycheck. And I think that they, they figure a little is better than nothing because Michael has proven that he can like outwit them at every speed.
1: Exactly. But it almost
0: seems... I mean, you're right. Yeah. It's a bananas thing that he's like, hey guys, I know you're spying on me. Like it's way more useful for him to hide and then come and sit down with Sam after.
1: After. Yes, exactly. But
0: he wants to make a scene because Michael Wesson's a sassy little boy.
1: He is, but not funny.
0: No. <laughs> But God help him, he tries.
1: Um, but like the thing is that like they do this later. I think this is actually done a whole lot effectively like later in the episode. And here, like it just seems like a bad spy move. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the And biggest... there's no
0: narration because you can't justify it. Exactly.
1: It's the biggest crime in this sh- in this show to do a bad spy thing.
0: It's true. Um, well, it's just the pilot. He's got a lot to learn. Uh, so from here, after Sam agrees to edit his snitching. Uh, Michael tricks the bodyguard and rich guy to come to Javier's house and then deadly home alones the place to fake that he's totally murdering the bodyguard to scare the rich guy, tricking the rich guy into shooting the bodyguard himself.
1: This is one of those clever plans where everyone has to do exactly the right thing at exactly the right time.
0: Luckily, Michael Weston is a genius and also a spy, so he knows what they're going to do at the right time. Uh, After some show and tell, he blackmails the rich guy into framing his bodyguard instead and paying Javier and his son a ton of money as an apology. So that all wrapped up rather nicely. Yeah. Um, Then... Yay, sunshine? I don't know why I put yay, sunshine, but that's what I have in the next section. That is
1: another phone that he buys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sweetheart, and yay, sunshine. Yeah. Uh, so right before the end of the episode, he goes to peep on some kids to watch Javier's son <laughs> kick their asses.
1: And, um, yeah, and this but is But really same.
0: conveniently shows up right at the moment that he is being bullied and then fights back.
1: Yeah. Well, who knows how long he's been trailing this kid. That's true.
0: He's probably been there all day.
1: Um, and... And also, like, his, like, FBI, like, watchers are also there. And this is, like, this is actually a much better scene to execute the idea that Michael doesn't care that he's being watched. Mm-hmm. Like, because he, like, goes up to them and says, hey, can I borrow your um, binoculars? Mm-hmm. And it's very funny.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably why they let him interact with them, because they just like him being sassy around authority. Yeah. Like, Michael Weston doesn't care.
1: Exactly. But, like, you already have that scene. You don't need it in the scene with...
0: No. Yeah, you don't need it twice. I think Burn is a show of excess.
1: Uh, Oh, cubist boobs.
0: Oh, well, we didn't talk about him. Oh, Has has he hit sugar? Has he gotten rid of sugar yet? I think
1: you just, you forgot to put it in the outline because it's so unimportant.
0: It's really unimportant. Uh, Oh, no, I know what happens. So he goes to the hardware store. Oh, I totally just skipped over it. So anyways, Which the
1: episode should have done. There's, like, no...
0: Yeah, there's no point to Sugar. There's even no... though Sugar, the drug dealer, is a great character. Uh, but basically, earlier in the episode, Michael Weston gets rid of Sugar for good uh, by shooting him through a wall.
1: Shooting him through a wall. Okay. They're, like.
0: So the premise is that every... Like, drug dealers and bad guys always have, like, really, like, good Doors. doors to, like, keep people out, but they also have walls that they don't reinforce and he, so also he just like, shoots
1: him through the wall. He also, like, talks a lot about how good duct tape is and then, like, duct tapes the wall for no good reason.
0: I think it was just, like, to mark where he was busting in or something. It
1: just, it seemed really weird. Like, it was, like, they're, duct tape's good for a lot of things. It was like the most unuseful use of duct tape yeah, I've ever not. seen. It was
0: pointless. Yeah. yo, You're absolutely right. It was bananas. But yeah. yeah. So sugar is gone. Don't worry. Sugar is yeah. dead. Who knows? Exactly. Uh, we so,
1: are now... This show is now sugar free. Yeah.
0: This, this show is now <laughs> stevia. Uh, Michael Weston at the end of the episode... What
1: great would it have been? <laughs> <laughs> like, if <the> another next...
0: <laughs> worst drug dealer showed up stevia. And then truvia
1: and then sweet Splenda. and low
0: <laughs> sweet and low is the final one he's, yeah. he's a real sweetheart
1: but he can get down low down <laughs> and dirty
0: Anyway, so michael weston goes home to his sugar-free home victorious now that he's watched a small child beat the shit out of another kid but he discovers that his apartment is littered with surveillance photos of himself all over the apartment what could it mean end of episode
1: yeah someone is watching him other than all the other people who are watching
0: (laughs) but this person got into his home Mm -hmm. and got real extra about it
1: exactly so
0: that's the end of the pilot a lot happened a lot happened i was surprised like it took me a really long time to like write down my recap for this episode just because like it's a fucking chock-full pilot so, really quickly, I want to go through because one of our tenets of like, is this a great burnout episode, is how practical versus observational the spy tips are. Yes. So, I'm just going to run through all the spy tips that we learned uh, from this episode. The spy tips are uh, told via narration of Michael Weston for seemingly no reason. Yeah. Uh, so, number one, being a covert agent is a lot of waiting around. This is just a passive observation that's yeah. said during a scene that we still can't figure out is yeah. a result of shoddy internet or shoddy filmmaking.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the latter uh next tip in a fight you have to be careful not to break the little bones in your hands on someone's face that's why he likes bathrooms lots of hard surfaces so that's where he murders some dudes, yeah, yeah 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 uh and then escapes with a dutch angle uh then the- we've got another passive tip if you're gonna pass out on an airplane he suggests business class because there's more room to convulse do
1: you're know, like do we like these tips how do we feel about these tips so far uh
0: well we only have one practical one so yeah. far and it's honestly not that practical. See, the thing is, is that hard service is, is only a useful tactic for, like, beating up people if that's you true. are competent at beating them up. Otherwise, they're just going to be used against you.
1: Yeah. That's true. But, like, it's, I guess it's sort of like a picking your, like, it's like picking your turf in a way that's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe these are dumb, maybe these are, like, dumb criminals who punch people in the face with their hands, like dumb criminals.
0: <laughs> and their little bones.
1: And little bones.
0: Um, tip number four beaches are vulnerable tactical positions with no decent cover uh, which is a double entendre over shots of women in bikinis
1: yeah that's true that's like that's also why I don't like beaches there's nothing at beaches
0: yeah no it's true beaches suck beaches suck Tip five, when you're being watched, what you want is contrast, something that'll make the surveillance stand out. So his example is the government operators are usually dudes in their 40s in suits. So he goes to some beach parties, like the party house that Chris mentioned, uh, to contrast the weird suits. Uh, In my actual life, Brie Castellani, I contrast taking weird turns and going into stores I don't need to go into to see if the people I suspect to be following me also weirdly have to go into that random store. That's
1: true. That's also, like, we kind of get that later with, like, the driving. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Basically you have to drive there's one later is like drive like an idiot. Yeah. Um
0: But this is a tip that I have used before to escape someone who was following yeah. me. So thank you, Michael Weston, a spy.
1: Which is interesting because again, I feel like one of the things that's interesting about the tips on this show is how many of them are like useful advice and how many of them seem like to like have been written retroactively to justify some other plot thing. Like in like in this case, like that almost seemed like written mostly to justify the fact that there are like so many boobs. That there there's so many boobs
0: wow it's 2007 Chris. he actually moment. like
1: yeah he references girls gone wild at one point which is the the second most 2007 thing after the flip phone
0: <laughs> oh the flip phone Ah, oh, i love the flip phone uh all right tip number six if you need to get into a building you aren't allowed into quote any uniform store will sell you a messenger uniform and messengers can get in it anywhere
1: have you used this
0: where the fuck is a yeah. uniform? store. Uniform store. They've never seen a uniform store, Michael Weston. What the fuck are you talking about?
1: You should see one. They're all alike.
0: Uh, Tip number seven. Figuring out that you have a tail is mostly about driving like an idiot. Slow down, speed up, signal one way, and turn the other. Yes, that's when we were
1: referencing. Exactly, yeah. Uh,
0: I've also used that tip when I used to have a car. Uh, Number eight. A box filled with pipes, wiring, and sprinkled with fertilizer will scare people. That's his fake bomb.
1: That's his fake bomb. Isn't that
0: a tip? uh, He narrates it, and it's a thing so yeah. i i'm i'm counting it as a tip here here's the one thing i will say though and this is something that i would noticed because i re-watched a couple of seasons of burn notice before starting this podcast and then stopped so i could be fresh uh but one thing that i've noticed is that like he does a lot of like building of explosives throughout the course of the season uh notably fewer details in the ones where he's actually building real explosives because i think they realize maybe we shouldn't give people step-by-step instructions for building explosives
1: <laughs> i mean that is true. Yeah. But also, like, there is a point to that, like, like in this episode, he is building a thing that is meant to look like a bomb.
0: Right. No, but the, but what I'm saying is, like, so that's, like, the, he, he gets very specific here, but they get, like, ex- like, visibly less explicit when there are actual, like, things yeah. being built, which is funny to me uh tip number nine never break into a house with in a ski mask this is the yogurt scene if you get caught what are you gonna say you want to look like a legitimate visitor until the last moment if all else fails grab some food and try to confuse people apologizing and getting the fuck out of there
1: this is my favorite tip because i feel like this is the one that i would use
0: yeah it's a great tip yeah and hey free yogurt Uh, number 10, no one wipes off a fingerprint scanner after they use it. That seems suspect. This
1: seems incredibly suspect. This is definitely one that felt like a writer being like, like, oh, that's clever. Mm -hmm. Surely their fingerprint's still on the fingerprint scanner. Surely that's not a thing that anyone has ever thought about ever.
0: Yeah. Number 11, to build a listening device, you need a crappy phone with a mic that picks up everything, but you want the battery power and circuits of a better one. Enter, hello sweetheart
1: hello sweetheart
0: uh number 12 most criminals have a bulletproof door but not bulletproof walls seems like an oversight but
1: yeah
0: all right death to sugar number 13 the well
1: people... just like maimed to sugar
0: that well we don't know that we don't see him get an ambulance that's true i think sugar is decomposing in that like weird apartment adjacent yeah. building uh that's my head um, I assume that the end of Burn Notice is going to end with Michael Weston getting shot, stumbling into the room with Sugar's skeleton and dying next to him.
1: <laughs> you don't think it's going to be Sugar coming back to kill him?
0: Ooh, that's interesting. All right, I'll, I'll file that away for later. Uh, number 13, spy tip. The key to fighting a bully or militants in Afghanistan is to take out the leader. Yeah. Neat. Number 14. Afghanistan
1: is interesting. Like, they talk about Afghanistan a few times. This, like, show, it's weird to me, like that it, it starts in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. So the vast majority of it like take takes place during the Obama administration. But right now everything feels like the Bush era. Mm-hmm. Like and it also has like
0: It was probably developed during the Bush Era. Yeah,
1: definitely developed during the Bush era, definitely feels like kind of war on terror. And it also has that one of that trope that is in a lot of spy stories post the end of the Cold War, where spies just really want it to be the Cold War again. Mm-hmm
0: uh number 14 is not a practical tip so we've had a lot of practical tips up until now but this one is not practical
1: practical it... in the sense that they sound actionable not necessarily in the sense that they're true i yeah. also kind of i debate whether like things that look like bombs are scary is a practical tip
0: well it's to scare people the action is you want to scare people into thinking there is a bomb that's practical chris i don't know what to tell you uh but so the very non the bomb is
1: practical, definitely. Yeah. That was not a CG bomb. They did not add that bomb in, post.
0: Number 14. Most bad guys just expect you to sit there and wait for them. Like, those are the rules or something. I actually really enjoy this line. Yeah. Uh, and this observation, despite it being very passive. Uh, and then number 15. The final five tip of the episode. If you're going to place prints on a gun, sticking it into someone's hand isn't going to do it. Any decent lawyer can explain that. But try to explain prints on the inside of the trigger assembly. Not bad. Not what, bad at all. If you're if you're gonna frame somebody for a for gun violence, uh, put their fingerprints on the bullets in the inside of the trigger assembly.
1: Do like, and I don't know this. We should research this. We should do research. Um, Hard pass. You can do research. Where do these th- like? Is there anyone on this show that was a consultant? Did anyone on this show know anything about spies? At I'm sure all? they
0: asked like a guy, and he's like, yeah. Is there,
1: yeah, is there, like, a guy, like, how much, because so many of these just feel less, like, things that spies do and more, like, things that writers who think they're clever come up with
0: i mean i'm i i think that that's probably the more likely thing but i would be interested to know if they have a consultant so maybe next episode we'll let you know maybe we won't because who knows we've got a lot of episodes to get through and you know what i don't want to waste my time researching that might be a season finale yeah that might be a season finale thing in (laughs) seven years uh anyways so um oh we don't need this so okay so that's the end of the recap section and the spy tip section so chris we now have to evaluate this episode on whether or not it is
1: real quick what was your favorite spy tip
0: my favorite spy tip uh probably the um... we shouldn't just
1: list them we should say things about them
0: i like listing them because i just think it's funny to like list them like outside of their context and it's just like these are things we learned this episode
1: (laughs) what did we learn this week what was your Um, favorite thing you learned this week
0: i mean probably the one about like the when you're being watched and when you're being followed sort of tips because those yeah. are the things that I've actually used in my real life that I forgot yeah. I learned literally from Burn Notice. Um, that's probably, yeah, those are probably my favorites.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I think th- those are definitely the most useful things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about I, you? Um, I think, yeah, that's probably like it too. Um, yeah, I think that was good. I want to know more about uniform stores. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh and also just the one about like don't look like a burglar and like Oh
0: that's true. The that's yogurt a, tip is great.
1: The yogurt tip is great. You wanna like get a little bit of yogurt in the tub.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. So um I think the easiest thing to determine is is this a great episode of television?
1: I mean no. 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 no.
0: The storytelling is bad. The shots are bad. It's not a well put together episode. No. So in terms of just television as a whole, procedural or not, this is not a great episode of television. I'm sorry. It's just not. No, is it? So, so by default, it is an episode of television. It is an episode. However, is it an episode of television that is also a great episode of Burn Notice? So, does Michael Weston solve the weekly problem with spycraft rather than violence? Kind mm, of, kind of, because yeah. he breaks into the house and eats yogurt, which is spy-like. Yeah, he has a uniform store gag.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. Uh. And he, he has a very elaborate, non-violent way of making people do violence to each other. Yeah. So I would say, broad strokes, there's more spycraft than just straight up, like, violence.
1: That's true. Uh, would you
0: say that? I mean, it's not as spycrafty as it could be. Like, yeah. it's more just, like, detective work. Yeah.
1: I think it's, like... Uh, it's alright. I don't know. What, what you, I'll, I think, I'll let you I make think, the no, final there's It's like... It's tough because I kind of... I want almost to added extra category specifically for this episode.
0: Okay, what's that?
1: Which is, is this a great pilot for Burn Notice?
0: Okay, so let's let's answer that at the end. Yeah. So, okay, but do you... Will will you say yes or no to the first thing? Criterion? I think it's...
1: Some of them are cool. I think, like, not, nothing was, like, surprised me or was particularly clever. Nothing, like, um, really... Nothing that he did, I thought like, oh man, that's cool. Only a
0: spy could do that. Only
1: a spy could do that. So so
0: are you going to say that we're failing the first criterion? I'm going to say we're failing the first criterion. Okay, fair enough. That's a real ding in the face of it being a good pilot for burn notice. Well, no, but
1: I mean, like, this is all I want to get back to.
0: Okay, okay, so let's come back to that. Okay, so uh michael Weston's spy advice voiceover involves practical spy advice rather than passive spy observations i would say that we have this one so i think that we have fulfilled that yes because in terms of my highlighting the more there were more practical than observational yeah so that's one we need at least three uh he does not debut or revisit a distinct alias michael weston is pretty much just michael weston the whole time he has that one very small scene where he's sort of british yeah he's sort in, of British in the gay coded art dealer's house yeah I would not consider that an alias because Michael Wesson's aliases have, like, names. They have personalities. This guy is just, like... Exactly. Bad British accent.
1: Uh, He is also maybe posing as Javier's friend?
0: Yeah, see, I... It's sort of vague. Yeah, it's vague. uh, It's not a distinct alias. Uh, so no distinct alias, so that's not it. So now, the only way that it can be a great episode of burn notice is if it gets both of the next things, which is that the show's sidekick, Sam and Fiona, are used well. Meaning that Fiona gets to blow something up or use her explosives expertise, and or Sam gets to be peak Bruce Campbell. So I do think that he gets to be pretty peak Bruce Campbell. He does. Fiona doesn't get to blow up anything. Not
1: a single thing.
0: So that fails. So The
1: best she gets to do is like...
0: Get horny after violence? Yeah,
1: is Yeah, to like kick a sh- sugar soldier
0: yeah she gets to kick a sugar shul- shoulder
1: sugar shoulder sugar
0: shoulder uh <laughs> um, but yeah that's it so that sounds like
1: that sounds like the like the henchman in a, c- a candyland movie sugar shoulder oh, the sugar soldiers
0: yeah um so uh, uh through our very scientific research we have determined that this is not a great episode of burn notice it is just simply an episode, an episode of television
1: but is it a great pilot for burn notice or
0: i also think no like it's fine But because the spy craft isn't really strong, like that's a, it's a procedural about a spy and he only just wanders around being like vaguely snarky. True. It just, it's sort of just set up like a detective show.
1: It is, but I I do think the thing is that like while none of like the tips are like groundbreaking Mm -hmm. and like none of like the spy craft is, like, the greatest spycraft. The simple fact is, there is a lot of it. And there is a lot of it, even for an episode of Burn Notice. Like, just in terms of, like, volume of of it. And, like, what it is really doing is really announcing and reveling in the idea that that's what this show is. It is, like, announcing, like, like the point of this show, the primary... um, like means of enjoyment of this show is watching this like spy competence porn mm-hmm. and like having all of these tips. The just like the fact that it does like so much front load all of these tips to like like the distraction of everything else. Frankly, like because that's the thing is that like the. The spy tips are the most well-defined thing, developed thing in the pilot. None of the characters are.
0: Now, even Bruce Campbell is just sort of like, he's Bruce Campbell in a scene or two. Like, Fiona doesn't do anything, which is such a shame, because she's such a fun character. Exactly.
1: Um, Yeah, like... And Michael Weston
0: doesn't get to be his most Michael Weston. Exactly. Like He's just himself the whole time, which is arguably the worst version of
1: him. Exactly. (laughs) And, um... Because he does, and we'll get into this later, like, when he gets starting michael weston like the best version of michael weston is like a really boring bugs bunny
0: <laughs> that's exactly what he is he
1: sh- he like shows up and it's just like dry voice like candy Graham.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love michael weston i do and like i i'm gonna shit on this show a lot because this show deserves it but I love this show. I have so much fun watching it. I just have a good time. Yeah. So even though this pilot is... All right. I will give you... I think it probably is a good ep- a good pilot for Burn Notice. Not the best pilot. Oh, not the best been, pilot. But it's a good one. You're right. It, it sets up exactly what it is.
1: And even, like, the... the Whatchamacallit? The side plot about Sugar is there just to get some, like, extra, extra spy, spy things. And, like, there's, like, no story reason for it. Mm-hmm. It's, like, announcing very upfront, like... That, like, we care about this more than anything. Mm-hmm. Even story, frankly. Um, so this is what you are going to get in this show. And that is a promise that it makes to everyone. There will be a lot of this.
0: Yeah. And they do live up to that. Yeah. So, all right. It is an episode of television. A good pilot for Burn Notice. But that's it. So uh, tune in next week when we will be talking about episode two. Title.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> uh, and yeah, uh, let us know on Twitter or email uh, if you what you thought of the pilot. I'd be very curious to hear what everyone else's thoughts are, especially if you haven't seen Burn Notice before and this is your first entry to the series. The, the series. A lot of I'm adding a lot of H's to my you words. Really are today.
1: Uh, your your accent is about as good as uh, Fiona's. <laughs> yeah, I will say one thing that has stuck about me from this show for a long time, which is that anyone human or animal that is named Fiona I want to shorten to Fee.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: I like Fee as a name. See, I
0: like Fiona as a name so I just want to hear her being called Fiona but I do like it when Michael Weston calls her Fee because honestly their relationship I get because she's so much and he's so little and it seems to work out because he he seems to genuinely enjoy the fact that he doesn't have to do anything. He can just sit there and she'll be a lot and he can just be like "All right, honey.
1: That's the that I relate to that a lot.
0: That's like us. It really is. You're nothing. I'm nothing. (laughs) And I'm everything. (laughs) Just kidding. Or not. Uh, Remember our email address is burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. And our Twitter is burnnoticedpod. So remember burn notice with a D?
1: Yes. In the past tense.
0: In the past tense. Thank you for listening to the premiere of Burn Noticed So we want to thank
1: Vincent E.L.
0: for our theme music that you can hear at the beginning and end of every episode. And if you want to support him, you can go to vincentel.bandcamp.com.
1: As we say every week on Burn Noticed. Bye. Hello,
0: sweetheart. (laughs) How about goodbye, sweetheart? Goodbye,
1: sweetheart. (laughs)